So the Holocaust is uh, quite a uh, interesting time in our history, it, it was, it showed cruelty beyond what is an imaginable. And you would ask yourself, how does something like this begin? How do people wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to kill people today? I mean, how does this happen? How does this begin? And so I think it's important to see what causes the Holocaust so that we can understand that we don't want to repeat this. Well, the Holocaust really begins in, in the 30s, in the early 30s when Hitler took office. But how did Hitler get elected in Germany? He got elected because the Germans were so embarrassed about World War I and the fact that the uh, Versailles Treaty had to uh, told them that they were the reasons for the war and it was on their... So they, they felt all the, the pressure of it. And then because they had to give so much money to other countries, their economy tanked. So the economy of Germany was terrible and they needed somebody to blame. The people were angry they were such a, a strong nation prior to World War I and very strong in what they, who they were as a nation. And so now they were belittled. So there was the, the economic pressure, there was the anger, there, there was the uh, just so many areas that, that really were... Um, caused them to be angry. But what starts is the area of words. This is where violence starts. We see it today in our country, and we see it also in the Holocaust. So what are the words that were used? Well, there was something, a myth called the stab in your back myth. And that myth was that the Germans really didn't lose the war of World War I, but it was really the fact that the Jews and the communists betrayed them. And so they felt that they could go after those groups. And they became the Azazel. They became the scapegoat for the Germans. And there was all this, there was also something called eugenics. You know what eugenics is? This was uh, based on some writings of, um, what was it? I don't have my correct notes here. I think you have my notes, Becca, in, in, your, in your music, yeah. But at any rate, 
uh, I can't remember the gen who who was it the, the uh, Darwin. Thank you, Darwin, who said that we need to breed a more perfect person. And the way we do that is we get rid of the people who, with the bad traits and we help the people with the good traits. And that really is the basis for Hitler's desire to do that, meaning that the Jews were the bad traits and the Germans were the good traits. And so this was the background. Now, so there was a division happening in Germany. Let's go forward to the present time. I'm not going to be political here today. So I'm going to say that both President Trump and President Biden have used plenty of language that divides our country. And if you don't agree with me in that little sentence, I would say your loyalty is misplaced. The words that were used caused division, and we have greater division now than ever before. When we listen to our Congress people speak, when we listen to the candidates for 2024, a number of them are going to target somebody else. And this targeting brings into your heart and into your your mind, stuff that, that is just, um, you, you just don't feel good about that person after a while. And at, then after a while, you feel like, well, I wish that person, and then you can complete that sentence. Uh, words are destructive. They're destructive in marriages. They're destructive in, in friendships. They're destructive, they're just destructive, unless we encourage each other, unless we make a conscious decision to overlook the things that we're feeling. So for instance, if you're feeling economic problems, if you're having economic problems, you're probably depressed and so you're speaking words of depression rather than looking at the Lord, which is what we should be doing. We see in Ephesians 4.29, this very concept here that God is, is trying to get into our hearts and our minds. It's, let no harmful word come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for building others up according to the need so that it gives grace to those who hear it. So clear of what God wants from us. And then it says, do not grieve the Ruach HaKodesh of God, but by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, quarreling, slander, along with all malice. Instead, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God and Messiah also forgave you. And I can just hear people saying, but you don't understand. 
You don't know what they said to me, what they did to me, how they hurt me. But we have to stop the momentum of ugliness and show people that we are stronger than that. We will not allow that to affect us. We will not allow that to affect our behavior. In Matthew 12, 36, it says, And I tell you that on the day of judgment, men will give account for every careless word they speak. I always think that is one of the most difficult verses to read in the Bible. Because how many of us have not given careless, spoken careless words? I mean, we've all done that. So going back to Germany, you know, the, what they experienced was something called nationalism, which is really great. It means you love your country. But uh, in the zeal for nationalism, it, it caused, as I said, this, this and, and to add eugenics to it, it meant that some people weren't desirable. Oh, and here's the portion of my notes. Yeah, Darwin. And his, his article was on the origin of species by means of natural selection from in 1859. So we see here that there are, we, we have to show grace to people. Now, I have a funny story to tell you about grace. My father was born in Vienna. Both my parents were born in Vienna. And my father, um, when he was in Vienna, he worked at a clothing uh, place. He sold clothes. And uh, there was... So... Uh, Hitler had marched into Austria, and many of the Austrians became Nazis. And one of the worst Nazis, and I say that worst because his reputation was he would just kill people on the street. There was just no rhyme or reason. He just killed people. Um, he took over the store that my father sold for. And so one day he called my father into the office and he said, do you remember me? And my father was shaking, and he said, no. And so he said, a few years ago, we played soccer against each other, and you bought me a beer afterwards. So I'm going to save your life. And I'm going to tell you, you need to leave Austria now. And... He said, I can't, my father said, I can't leave Austria without my parents. And there was, for some reason, he couldn't get his parents out of Austria. So this fellow, who's this killer, says to my father, I will pay them a monthly wage till you get them out. So my point is this. You never know how God's going to work. You don't know what God's going to do in people's hearts. The worst people in the world can 
all of a sudden be gentle and loving and compassionate. You can't figure this out. It's hard to know. The only thing that you and I are responsible for is how we react, not how somebody else reacts. And I realize that can cause great problems, um, great problems. We can be mistreated because we've given people grace who might not deserve it. But I believe that is something that is, is clear that we are to do. Now, the themes of the Holocaust are three. These three are always spoken about. The first one is never forget. And if you're following the news right now, they talk, they're talking about how many people in this country do not remember the Holocaust especially kids, because it's no longer taught in many schools. So the second thing is never again, that we're not going to permit this to happen again. But honestly, if we're going to be honest with each other, we're already permitting it. Not just with babies, but I'm talking about whether it's Armenia or other places in the world, we're allowing this to happen. People are being treated like dirt in many countries. Slaves, I, I mean, it's, it's awful. The third is to not keep silent. And even there, I believe we have not done our job. And why? Well, because we're living we're living a comfy life. We're living in Tampa, Florida, home of beautiful weather, palm trees. And, you know, we're, we, we can't stop what we're doing to, to try and help people across the pond, so to speak. In fact, there are a lot of people we don't even help in Tampa. We're wondering why all of a sudden we're seeing riots. If you saw the Chicago riot last week, where these teens, hundreds of them, were just beating other people up for no reason. <laughs> Thank you very much for that editorial. <laughs> well, I think it's thanks to our culture, because our culture has changed. And I would say, if we're going to get political, our culture is almost the most important thing on the ballot when we vote because it will influence us in so many different areas. And if our culture is, is not going to change, if the pendulum doesn't swing back and we decide to have respect for one another and teach respect for one another and possibly bring the Bible back into the school system where it belongs 
and prayer back in and a respect for teachers, policemen, and parents who are in authority. If we're not going to teach that, we will reap what we sow. I would suggest to you that there should be a fourth theme of the Holocaust. Not only never forget, never again, and never keep uh, silent, but I would say never speak words in anger. To me, that would be the fourth one. I believe it's a tool of Hasatan who wants to divide us. It, it, besides causing division, it causes hatred, and it leads to violence. When you listen to people who talk about the Chicago riot from last week and say it's just kids being kids and one kid was killed, somehow I think some of the people in our country have lost reality of what is right and what is wrong. So I believe that Yom HaShoah brings us to a new focus. As we think about the history and what has happened before and what led to it, and we look about where we are now and where we are going, we have to find ways to be constructive in our culture. Because just being angry at our culture is going to do the very thing that we're trying to correct. Couple scriptures. I th this scripture, which is talking about sin, I think you could also change the word sin and change it to word, and you will get a similar understanding. James 1, 14 and 15. Each one is tempted when he is dragged away and enticed by his own desire. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. That's a scripture that I believe we should meditate on and understand that we are part of the problem. Because we allow our own desires, even because we think we're righteous, we, believe, we allow our own desires to be so important that we can act any way we want in order to make the end what is correct in our sight. And that's the very thing that began Yom HaShoah with Hitler. Because in his own warped way, he thought he was doing what was right for Germany and the German people. Our words need to be encouraging. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the unwavering wavering confession of hope for, he prom for who promised 
I'm sorry, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. Do not neglect our own meeting, as it is the habit of some, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Well, I can tell you, and I think all of you will bear witness to it, the day is approaching. We don't know when, but we can see the day is approaching. And what are you supposed to do until then is encourage each other. We are to be an encouragement. You might ask, well, do I let people get away with bad behavior? Do I not talk to them? Do I just ignore the fact that they did something wrong? No. But if you want to correct somebody, do it in a biblical way. Which brings Galatians 6.1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught doing something wrong, you who are directed by the Ruach, the Spirit of God, restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness. Looking closely at yourself so you're not tempted also. In other words, that you're not doing the very same thing that you're trying to correct. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you fill, fulfill the Torah of the Messiah. So, I believe we are the ones who are to begin change, one person at a time. But our discussions should be reflecting the Lord who is in us. Isaiah 53, 4 and 6, if you believe this scripture, if you believe this scripture, then we should not feel the weight of the world on ourselves if you believe this scripture. Because the weight of, our, of the world on ourselves causes bad behavior. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our pains. Okay, who's carrying our pains? Okay, are you carrying your pains? Well... <laughs> Think about that. I mean, scripture-wise, yes, that's correct. You are not. But that's not, okay, you get the idea. Yet we esteemed him stricken, struck by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. The chastisement for our shalom, our peace, was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. If we believe that scripture, we're going to behave differently. Then it says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to his own way. So Adonai has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I mean, you can carry your sin if you want, but your sin will cause you to sin more. If you're able to follow this scripture and give that sin to the Lord, you will be free to act encouraging. You won't be stimulated by sin.
by anger, by frustration. I'd like to close with John 1, 1 through 4 and verse 14, which I feel, again, are such strong scriptures in terms of our belief structure. But it gives us something to really hold on to. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Okay, so now the Word is He. All things were made through Him. And apart from him, nothing was made that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overpowered it. And then verse 14. Oh, wait, no, that's not the end yet. And the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Oh, that, that is 14. And we looked upon his glory, the glory of the one and only from the Father, full of grace and truth. We know the story of Yeshua. We know what he did that we remember. The kind of pain that he was inflicted with and he was full of grace and truth. If there's anybody here who does, has never accepted Yeshua into your heart, anybody on Facebook who has never accepted, there is power to believe the scriptures, and there's power to believe that Yeshua is who he said he was. To receive Yeshua, you repent of your sins, you ask Yeshua into your heart, and you dedicate your life to him. I pray that there will be many today who will do this. Father, I pray in the name of Yeshua, that we will look at our words, our reactions, and Lord, I pray that we will not be the beginning of an argument, that we will not be the continuation of an argument, but I pray that we will bring the love of Messiah to each person, especially our family, but to our friends and to everybody we meet, that our hearts would be filled with grace and the truth about who God is. I pray this for us in the name of Yeshua. Amen.